Welcome once again, dear friends, to the Brattlecast, an opportunity to talk with Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, a legendary spot, one you have to visit when you come to the city. And Ken, uh, today we're going to be focusing on election material. Obviously, when we record this, it's election season. And uh, boy, there's so much. I'm thinking of all the buttons and campaign posters and and just that's the tip of the iceberg. So tell us what you have in mind. Well, that, that is absolutely the tip of the iceberg. And election material is always a lot of fun. And of course, every time you come up to elections, there are items that you know are in campaign headquarters. There are things that are passed out and they're ephemeral. In other words, the idea is you get them, the election passes, they're all thrown away. You don't think anything of them. And uh, and you, but then 10, 20, 50 years from now, they can become very much collectible and interesting and looking back on it. The, the other thing, though, nowadays, though, there are libraries and historians who literally will make deals with election offices and so on to literally come up and almost sweep the office and pick up all of the scraps of paper, all of the things. Because for future historians, that can be, uh, you know, a very interesting material that you don't normally see or get from the newspaper, mm -hmm. from the historians looking back. But what sort of led to all of this, I got a call from a cousin of mine who lives, well, he was in Ohio, now he's in California. He's very big into uh, elections and making sure elections are done right and that they're honest and and on and on and on. But he, he's passionate about it and actually is a very much uh, takes part in it. But he I thought there was an item that I might be interested in. Uh, again, it's sort of hard for me to show you, but it's a ballot, uh, an election ballot. And there's a lot of people running for president. I mean, there's probably 15 or 20 people. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's interesting about the ballot is the there's the parties, but the, the way you see who's running is they have their pictures. So if you have an electorate and an election yep. group, right. uh, you don't necessarily have to read their names. You have to just recognize their picture. But this was a 1994 uh, ballot. And if you go down, I don't know whether you can see this picture, but if you go down, there's an RNC party and there's a picture of Nelson Mandela. My goodness, there he is. Absolutely. Now, this is a ballot from where again? From South Africa. Obviously. And uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. It's, it's very colorful and very uh, yeah. bold and easy to figure out. Well, it, one of the ideas is that maybe some of the people who were getting Can't elected read. You'd see the the party flag. You'd yeah. see the picture of the person. You don't have to read that well right. to know who you want to vote for. Now, it's interesting because these ballots aren't that rare. Uh, they do show up. There were extras that never got filled out. Uh, there are different. There were some changes that were made before the final ballot came out. But even though I know that they're not terribly valuable. In the United States, they're not as, as you don't see them as much. And then also just the significance of what a ballot that were, you know, how South Africa was changing, that this is Nelson Mandela's, that, you know, you could hang this on a wall and uh, it makes for a lot of fun. And, and then you get into the United States. There are all the, we don't deal so much with the pins, 
but we get into a lot of the books. One of the uh, very first books uh, ever done, and, and there's also a connection um, with the way the campaign is going. Uh, I know that someone is criticizing someone else for not getting out on the campaign trail enough, uh, you know, that he's sitting in his basement. Up until Theodore Roosevelt, actually, there was very little campaigning. It was considered beneath the dignity of the the uh, the candidates to go out and campaign. They would have surrogates going out and speaking. Uh, Abraham Lincoln did some of it, but uh, in, in the Lincoln-Douglas debates were very much in that. But it really wasn't until Roosevelt where they got out and you'd have these campaigns going around the country, stopping, uh, and, and he, they were even criticized that they were thinking too much of themselves and trying to get themselves mm. as opposed to their this ideas. This is Te- Teddy Roosevelt, not FDR, right? So Teddy around the Roosevelt. turn of the century, yeah, Te- okay. Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. And be- also too, one of the reasons that they, at that point they could do that more was first of all, transportation was a lot easier. They could get uh, on uh, and get around the country, but, um, but it's comparison because if you were back in the days of Washington, Adams, Jefferson, uh, all the way up, to almost Lincoln, and then even after that, the the presidential candidates, they sat in their front porch. They would have the press come to them. They would maybe give interviews, and then the interviews would be read in the paper in New York or wherever. Mm. So it's funny, and now, unfortunately, with the pandemic, uh, these large running around the country, it's a lot more difficult, and you tend to have a lot more campaigning done from newspaper, from smaller interviews. and, and as, so as a fan of the history of campaigns and all that, I mean, there are certain ones, certain slogans that stand out. The one that I think in the, in the 1950s, everybody knows is I like Ike. So yep. simple. And, and that one particular phrase was probably plastered on everything from buttons to hats, to pins, to, to poster boards, to leaflets. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing when you start to see the the campaign strategy layout. Oh, absolutely, and there were there were people looking to do that, and and you know the campaign this year is probably looked at as being a particularly nasty campaign, but I'll tell you there was no love between <laughs> John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson. Matter of fact, uh, Andrew Jackson's wife died uh, during the campaign, and they blamed. John Quincy Adams for the way they savagely went at Jackson's camp mm. said that he actually caused the death of the wife. And the, I mean, so politics was politics. You look at the uh, Lincoln, the Lincoln campaign and the way they were describing him uh, ape like and cartoons were just vicious uh, as well, bad as anything we've seen today. Well, and then also the other thing that about the Lincoln campaign is after he was elected, they almost had to, he almost had to get to Washington secretly. In other words, they didn't announce how he was coming, where he was going, and said, because they were afraid that he might be assassinated right. on the way to Washington to get uh, sworn in. Uh, so that's uh, very significant. But if you, over the years, collect, there are books that are campaign books, and uh, even those were written by somebody else because there was supposed to be a modesty to the candidate. They weren't supposed to be 
projecting themselves. They would be considered poor form. So they'd get somebody else to write it. Uh, Franklin Pierce got Hawthorne to write his campaign. Budget. Not a bad ghostwriter, not a bad not substitute. A bad ghostwriter. And guess what? That ghostwriter got a government job out of it <laughs> after Pierce got elected. So that's a collectible book. Yes. But when you go through, I would imagine this year, uh, one of the things that might be very interesting would be, uh, I'm, I'm guessing there are some people who are going to get ballots, never send them in, never use them, never do anything. So a collectible this year might be a ballot that was unused. Uh, and you can, you know, would bring back all of the controversies, everything going on. Whether you're a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter, the, the type of things that are happening in this election are sort of unique and unusual. And I would think going around and collecting items that particularly not only show the views of the candidates, which you might or might not agree with or disagree with, uh, but just the way the campaign's being handled and done and the type of material and brochures are coming out would tell huge amounts about what the country was and where we are right now. Just imagine the people collecting campaign face masks because they're out there. I mean, that's that says so much about where we are, right? That, that's exactly the type of thing that I'm talking about. Mm. Or maybe if you go into one uh, rally, it says six feet away, masks absolutely required. You know, like you say, the, the mask with vote Biden or vote uh, make America great again, as opposed to another one where you might walk in and it, it's not, it, it might be there but not used as much. So one of the things that this Mandela uh, ballot got me interested in it is how much there is out there to collect on this type of thing. Also, on one of our previous podcasts, we were talking about autographs and signatures. And I was uh, one of the things that I said that sometimes uh, one thing will be more valuable than the other or one item or one of the things that also happens in some of these is individual autographs are more interesting and valuable than if you have, like if someone went to a campaign rally and got all of the uh, uh, nominees to sign it or even the smaller parties and all that, it might be a very interesting item. But my guess is that if you went out and collected presidential items, and this is probably even more of an extreme than Biden, but if you had one piece of paper signed by Trump and one signed by Obama, you have two presidents on it. It doesn't double the value hmm. because anyone who wants to hang a Trump in their room <laughs> probably doesn't want to see Obama. And vice versa. Anyone who wants to hang an Obama in the room probably doesn't want to see a Trump. So having the two on one probably cuts it in half or more. What do you think the value of my Pat Polson for president 1968 is? You mean the stag party? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually, you remember those days? I remember the straight-talking American government yes, uh, election. Party. But Pat Paulson, actually a nice picture of Pat Paulson signed running for the campaign is probably worth a few hundred dollars. Yeah. Because, you know, this there's a fun part of collecting where you say the humor of campaigns mm. and uh, he was great at running, uh, you know, and, and there probably are some other candidates where you could make a whole collection of 
secondary candidates running for office who were more having fun with it all than seriously running. I believe the name was Harold Stassen, who ran about eight or nine times. You'd have a very big folder for this stuff. But, you know, it it really is interesting. You say it, you smile. But if someone put together a collection of humorous presidential candidates who actually ran, it probably would be an interesting collection to collect. It would probably take a lot of effort and time. And part of collecting is the hunt and being able to go and find things. And it's the type of collection that if someone brought it and showed it to you, everybody would just smile. Yeah, you'd say, be fascinated by it. You'd be fascinated by it. It, it would be fascinating. And I bet you you could collect them cheaper than you could collect a George Washington or an Abraham Lincoln or whatever. But uh, And who knows, maybe you could even meet some of these candidates uh, as they're going. And uh, that would, hey, you just thought up another area of collecting. That's what they call me, the idea man. What can I say? Ken, this was so much fun. Uh, it's good to keep uh, uh, your eye on the ball with political stuff, but also to have a little bit of fun with it at the same time. Same so. time. And actually, what I'm going to do on the next ones, next couple we do, I'm going to pull together a bunch of questions that people have written in, talked about, or asked on appraisals, some of which turned out to be very valuable, some of them which I'm going to, uh, they weren't, they were happy but they didn't make themselves rich. And and there were some strange questions and interesting ones and some that I think everybody asks and keep them coming. And I think the next couple, I'll, I'll use that as a basis. Looking forward to that myself. Don't forget, go to brattlebookshop.com. Ken, as always, you're the best. Thank you so much and be well. Thank you, Jordan. I love doing it with you. 